Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson, scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years, here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To 53342. New York, call the 24 7 Hope Line at 1 877 8 Hope and Y or text Hope and Y for 6 7 3 6 9. I'm Nick DePaula and I'm this week's guest on the Kicks and Shit Show. Check it out. What's good, everybody? It's your boy Gerard, your girl Gabby. We are back. Episode 48 of the Kicks and Shit Show. You just gotta kind of like roll with it, right? Kind of just let it, let me go, let the pipes just, you know, it's 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 a lovely thing. Look, I mean that's been trending for a little while now. <laughs> I don't know if you know this is not the first episode that I just to quote the great poet Elsa. Let it go, Elsa. You know, that's what's going on in these streets. I'm First of all, the I didn't even ask you what's going on in these streets yet. I just, it was really like Elsa, like it's frozen. It's, it's, it's spring out here. Spring is, spring is springing. It's, it's, it's trying to spring. Bike short season is in full effect, y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, you may or may not have been in a beach town recently. You want to talk about that I or no? may or may not have been in bike shorts in said beach town recently as well. With ankle weights? I actually did use ankle weights, and let me tell you, you know what the best part about that was? Is I had my ankle weights, and I showed up, and there were other sets of ankle weights in the house. Oh. I did not layer them, no, they were not all for me, but there was a little bit of an ankle weights workout party there, so. And let me tell you, folks, what a house it was. What a house it was. But that's all. I'm just going to leave it there. I don't want to put all your business. Let's leave that there, Drop. Drop always tried to air out my... No. I have clean laundry. I don't have a 
big pile of dirty laundry pulling up. So I just want to clarify my like, you know, the chair where you put the clean laundry before it goes away. Yes. That's what Gerard wants to know. Everything that's on the chair. Listen, it's just, you know, far be it from why why is it so problematic that I am so concerned about your well-being or very into what you're doing? I mean, it's, you know, nothing wrong with that. That's I mean, Gerard, I love the do. publicist spin that you just put on that. I'm concerned about your well-being. You asking if there were ankle weights in said house shows the real concern about my well-being. You don't ask me how I got there. Did I drive? Was I safe? Did I quarantine? No. Where their ankle weights was the question. On record, there was no conversation about this before we started recording, folks. I just want to clarify folks, that. Folks, I also want to clarify that when I realized she was at said beach house in Beach Town... I said to her, oh, what's going on here? And the immediate thing was quarantine, social distance. She knew the questions were coming. So you already put that out there. So don't act like I don't ask about those things and care about your well-being because I actually do. <laughs> I know you do. I'm not saying you don't care. I'm just saying, like, let's not let's not get it twisted, y'all. Okay? Like, Gerard, is, the first question was ankle weights. Okay? That has nothing to do with you caring about my well-being. I know you care, Gerard. You are a man of the people. A man of the ladies. See, there you go. You know, and you were yeah. always appreciated, trust me. Oh, but, you know, yeah. if we didn't banter and I didn't give you a hard time, <laughs> we wouldn't be doing what we do. Am I right or am I right? Oh, the only answer is right. Right. You are always right. <laughs> <laughs> Not always. I'll put a little ass. Oh, like sometimes. of the time, you know, Virgos admit when we're wrong. Uh, do, you, which is, do Virgos admit when they're wrong? We do, but you don't hear it very often because we're almost never wrong. Ah, uh, yeah, see, there, 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 there's, that's the there is the caveat, folks. <laughs> a little poop right there, that's that asterisk. So, Gerard, how mm. are you doing in the streets? Well, as I said, spring has sprung, so that's wonderful. It's nice that we're, like, I don't think it's quite put away the winter coat season yet. I think we might have a day or two here where it might get a little crazy, but we're, we're just about there. So that's exciting. We got about twenty something games left in the NBA season, so playoffs are coming up. I know you're exciting because your squad. Look, I mean, I'm telling you, you, you guys are you're going to be in there. So that's a wonderful thing. You know, continue if you continue on this path. I was going to say, don't we got to be careful? Yeah, with yeah, how yeah. We I, know, I know, I know, I yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you continue on the path you are, you should be in there. Um, the other thing that's also interesting is I experienced some sneaker uh, W's and L's this week. So. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you need a sound effect. Can you, can you drop in some sound effect that like illustrates surprise shots? It's like, like the, the, the sirens, like <laughs> air horns, all that. Yeah, you Anything. put put that in right there. Fanfare sound effect. Yeah. So you know, one of my favorite uh, releases were the undefeated Nike Kobe Four Pro Tro collaboration. And remember when they, when they came out uh, last year, I was like, all right, fuck, didn't get them, whatever. You know, shit happens. I ain't, I ain't getting mad. It is what it is. Um, and I and the Undefeated re-released, right, for for this year. And I was like, all right, I, I'm going to try to get them. I'm like, I'm going to legit. And you know my thing was, Gabby, I said to you, I was like, all right, if I have to buy the whole freaking pack, I'm not doing it because I'm not buying four pairs of these. But if I can pick which one I want, because there are some colorways that I was like, uh, I don't like, you know, the, the, the teal, I was like, mm, that's not really me, whatever. I was going for the hunter green, right? That looks super dark green one. I kind of like those. The one that matches the outfit that you're rocking today. Exactly. Beautiful. So I'm like, all right, get in there. So when you get on the undefeated site, you have to log in. I log in. They're like, oh, put in the right path or, you know, create an account. Da, da, da. I do all that. Whatever. Okay. Here's your place in line. What shoe do you want? Green size. Don't refresh. Okay. Nothing. Cool. 
So I'm just sitting there, minding my own business, do, 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 you know, on my phone, doing some other work while it's happening. And then I see, oh, time to check out, sir. Please enter your credentials. I'm like, I'm already logged in, though. What do you mean enter my credentials? Like, we, we already did that. I'm like, all right, okay, let me just put it in again. Oh, no, so that's not your password. I go, what do you mean that's not my password? <laughs> we, just, we just did this, like, at the beginning of this whole process. So then it's like, read uh, this back. And it's like, oh, my God. And, of course, you know, if you have to hit the re- you know, redo your password. Automatically start over, TKO. Done, done. Not gonna happen. And yep. I was just like, so I sat there, I was like, okay. Cause you know my big thing is, do I feel the process is fair and legitimate? So it wasn't a bot thing in this particular instance, although maybe it was, I don't know. But it's like, if I already put the password and everything in initially just to start, why do, when I re-enter the same exact password that I just did, you are saying that's not your password? Like, I'm just like, I, I'm very confused. And it was just a, a very unfortunate situation. And I was like, oh, well, this is this is not great. But, I, you know, I wasn't like, you know, super like, oh, this is terrible. Like, I want to, like, you know, do whatever and post L's on, you know. But I, 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 I was not I thought that this drop and release would be a little better than most of the stuff that we see. And seemingly it was, but there was some glitch somewhere in, in the passwording process. And I, the thing is, I don't know what the glitch was, right? Because as I said, when I started, I already put the stuff in and you accepted the password I put in initially. So I don't understand why when I did it the second time, it wasn't the password. <laughs> and it wasn't like I typed it in wrong. Like I was very clear, like show, show, like, no, no, it was the right thing. So it was just very weird. Shrad, most people I would ask if they put the password in wrong, I know that you did not, <laughs> and I feel your pain. That would make my blood boil from the inside out. It would be spilling all over the computer screen right now. My blood would be boiling so much. Yeah, You're was, also more tolerant even than yes, I Yes, so. I just, I was like, you know what, all right. I was like, it wasn't meant to be. You know... Our, our guest, our last week's guest, Wells P, really kind of his whole Zen idea of like, I value my peace and my sanity. So, and I was like, okay, you know what? Instead of me freaking out and wilding because I didn't get these, it wasn't meant to be, you know? Hey, I, and I'm not a huge Kobe guy anyway. I just like the Pro Tros. I think that's a, that's of, of his shoes. That's that's my favorite one. So I was like, all right, let's see if I can get them. Look, I'm sure there'll be another opportunity again for something else. I'll try. If I get them, I get them. If I don't, I don't. But And if it's something you really want, you can head over to our friends at Another Lane. You can go to eBay. Exactly. You can look at some of our other exactly. friends. Like exactly. Like our girl Dolly. Exactly. Speakers. Exactly. You know some people. You've exactly. got the plug. If you want to make that happen. I can totally do it. So, it so I'm not like, you know, I, but I did get it. I mean, it was, wasn't, a, I mean, it was a win, but. So Every W is a W, <laughs> even if it's like for the Monarch. Yeah, well, it wasn't a Monarch, but uh, Nike Air Max 90 in uh, University of Michigan colors. And I was like, you know, um, not that I'm a, you know, hail to the victors kind of guy. I mean, I don't dislike Michigan. It's just kind of like, oh, whatever. Michigan's Michigan. I like those colors, though. Uh, that blue and that gold is, uh, you know, I often have like navy blue you know, joggers that I wear or I often have like gold hoodies. I'm like, you know what? These would be nice with some things that I own. So I was like, you know what? Let me let me take this win and grab these pair of uh, Nike Air Max 90 in the Michigan colorway. So I was like, that's what I did. So I grabbed that's those. Yeah. I think, you know, what we should do. I think we should take a poll to our for our followers mm. and listeners. Are you guys liking Gerard's new series of fit picks that we've been posting? I have tasked Gerard with some homework and he has been uh, delivering. He's an A plus student. 
Uh, love seeing the comments that you guys have. I especially <laughs> love the one about Yeezy season when uh, I think our, our former guest Ben said Yeezy season hasn't been a season since 2016, which ben, I asked just Ben Wallen. Yeah, but, he's wild. You know, we appreciate the dialogue. That's what it's about, though, right? <laughs> if you can't make fun of your friends, then who can you make fun exactly. of? Exactly. <laughs> but yes. So, folks, <laughs> perhaps in some of these next fit picks, I will rock those uh, those Air Max 90 Michigans and some other things uh, in pictures soon to come. But, Gabby, we got something dope coming up a special guest i mean every guest is special but this is someone that covers the sneaker industry um he's on espn on all over those platforms he is going to be a host of a new show on the boardroom coming soon and that's all the teases you're gonna get so stay tuned guys what's good everybody we are back gabby we're not alone we are joined by someone who covers the sneaker biz the whole sneaker industry, shoe contracts, he is a sneaker head, and he is soon to be the host of an upcoming show on the boardroom called The Sneaker Game. It is Nick DePaula. Nick, what's up, man? Hey, thanks for having me. Good timing, too, because I believe The Sneaker Game show is literally kicking off next week. So, I mean, uh, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to act like we knew that was uh, the timing. But... I mean, this was intentional. <laughs> Thanks, universe. Um, and obviously, it shouldn't be hard to guess who the first guest is. So, you know, <laughs> once, once KD's back on the floor, I think that's still going to be exciting. So it should be exciting. I was going to say, sounds like you might have a good first guest, given that it's the yeah. boardroom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> By the way, speaking of, since you already went there, um, and you probably have to say it because, <laughs> because he's your boss now, but do you honestly like the KD silhouette? I mean, the, to me, the KD2 is the top five shoe I ever played in. Wow. Um, and I think they were an $88 shoe, which yeah. I asked him about that a while back and uh, why the shoes went from $88 to $100 and whatever. I think yeah. the, the eight was $185. Mm-hmm. And it's probably one of the best interview answers I ever got. He said, well, I'm not an $88 not player, player <laughs> Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> he was well, pretty funny. That he's, he's kind of said that on the spot. But, um, but yeah, that, that KD2 to me is, is one of the all-time greats. And I think a lot of his stuff over the years, some some people like others, you know, more than more than some others yeah. too. But um, I think, you know, the 8-9 were a little too similar, 8-9-10 in that run. Mm-hmm. And now they're kind of bouncing back a little bit. They but, are. Uh, but hoop wise, they've all been they've all been great hooping. I I love the Olympic. Oh, what are they nines? Was that the year they, the, the nines came out? The white, the red and blue, I like those. You yeah. know, you know my favorite, the thirteens, the Scrooge McDuck PEs, which of course like thirteens are your favorite. Well, because the thirteens are so But just too. just that one though, the Scrooge McDuck PE, that particular one, which of course is only a one of one, so I ain't never getting those. But I really like those. <laughs> the four is obviously the best. One, so cool. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm a big fan of the sevens. I like the sevens. I actually cut the, I cut the strap off my sevens. See, it's the strap. How are you feeling about the strap? That's the thing for me. It's like sometimes I'm like, eh. other times I'm like, man, I don't want a strap. It's really, yeah, that's the. Two, I don't think I cut it off the two. I, I always kind of tinker and mess with a lot of my sneakers I play with. And uh, and so that strap was kind of, I just cut that off. It was a little lighter. But if I had the Aunt Pearl, I would have kept it. But mm, yep, yep. The strap was like, oh, whatever. I'm with you. Well, Nick, I mean, obviously you, you, you're a, you hoop. You love basketball sneakers. Let's start from the beginning. When did you fall in love with sneakers? It's easy. I was uh, I was growing up in Sacramento, California. Our only our only pro team was the Kings. Shouts to the Kings. <laughs> um, obviously, there was no reason yeah. I would have to pick stuff all throughout your other life. But um, but I was I was one of those kids that just played everything you could think of. Like we didn't have video games or cable growing up. 
my mom was pretty strict on like some budget stuff. And um, what we did have was a park down the street and like four other families that each had two boys. So we were playing basketball, street hockey, football, soccer, like anything you could think of. We were rollerblading, like anything, literally anything, tennis. And uh, basketball was always the main one I loved though. And so um, it started with there. Um, and then of course, you know, you get to about nine, 10 years old and you start to understand what the NBA is, who your favorite players are. And I think for everybody in the mid nineties growing up, um, shoes were just a natural extension from those players and, and just following, you know, Jason Kidd, Penny Hardaway mm-hmm. and their stuff, Kevin Garnett as well, uh, in the mid nineties just became something I was passionate about. Yeah. And, and you had some, you had some characters on those Kings teams, right? You had white chocolate, you had Peja, you had C web. I mean, you had some, you had some dudes on there. <laughs> Vladi. So rookie year. Yeah. Vladi too. Right. And then Hito and Gerald mm-hmm. Wallace, like they were, they were pretty stacked and, and uh, Jay Will's rookie year was, was my eighth grade year. Okay. So, so me and pretty much everybody that grew up in Sacramento throws like the craziest passes of all time. <laughs> Just turnovers all games. Oh, okay. Like Trey Hanks playing with me because Trey plays like Andre Miller. He's pretty boring as a player. He's, he's kind of just kind of like always joke calling basic games. He's, he's pretty like un, un- risk. He's not a risk taker out there. Right. I'm throwing like full court behind the back. I'm doing whatever. It's nuts. So I, I remember one time I checked in, threw a behind the back turnover, and my coach like immediately pulled out. me out the game and out over, you know. And so so that era was funny because you had, you know, number 55 in high school, the numbers were by size. Mm-hmm. So that was like the one three X jersey for most teams. Mm. But pretty much the shortest guy, like the point guard of, of every high school team in the wearing a three X. You know, people were throwing crazy passes. It was just an amazing time to, to be growing up in Sac at that time. What a time to be alive. And like that, that for sure, because I, I know. And it's interesting because that era, and I was going to say, high school coaches and youth coaches around the country had to hate the Sacramento Kings and Jason Williams because of that exact reason, much like I imagine now a lot of coaches are with Steph Curry. They're like, why are you pulling up from a thousand feet away? You cannot make that damn shot. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, and you had you had Jay Will, then you had the N one mixtape mm-hmm. right after, mm-hmm. and it was just kind of like this renaissance <laughs> of hoop. That was an awesome time as, as a as a fan as a player, but I'm sure every coach ever just hated it. Oh, it is. It's the best, right? Because that's that's the part of being a kid, right? You. It's all about imitating and mimicking like your your favorite your favorite players growing up, right? Because that's that's the whole dream, right? You go out to the yard or the park and you think, all right, this is me. I'm Jason Williams coming down the court, and I could see Nick literally like, all right, no look, and it's like, bro, oh. like. <laughs> I mean, I, I, we had this one power forward, Louis. I was hitting him in the face all the time. Like, it was bad. It was bad because, like, you know, see Webb could catch it, right? Right. Like Louis, the power forward, he's not really catching stuff like that, but. Um, to know, it, was, it, was, it was an amazing time. And like, I think the biggest thing was just like basketball should be creative and fun. And I didn't want to have the ball on a triple threat and throw a bounce pass post entry pass. Like that's not fun. That was never fun to me. So it was all about just improvisation, seeing, seeing some shit you saw on TV the other night and then trying that out. Um, like I remember AI had that new move commercial, yep. which didn't actually work as a move, but we were all doing that the okay. next day when we saw it, you know, so. It was stuff like that, and that's what made the 90s so much fun because it was such a, like, kind of new 
kind of new creativity that was taking place with the game at that time. So you, what you're basically saying is you were not doing the Coach John Wooden two-hand chest pass and the George Mikan drill. That was not really, the fundamentals were not your jam. I, I read John Wooden's book and the Pyramid of Success or whatever was cool. But like that, it was that cool, was but nah. <laughs> John Wooden, 11 and no, nope, that shit's cool, but nope, tired about that life. <laughs> What was on your feet, though? There were so many good shoes in the 90s, too. Like, what were you rocking on the court? So, growing up, I had a $40 budget in, mil- in elementary and middle school Fair. and then 50 in high school. So I, I didn't have, quote, unquote, like, the newest Air Jordans or, you know, all the best shoes growing up. But, um, but I was pretty resourceful. So back then I had um, our middle school colors were green. And I actually, I should grab them. They're around here. But I had a pair of the black and green uh, Shake and Destructs, which was Dennis mm-hmm. Rodman's shoe. I found them for $19.99 at Ross. Wow. And they matched our team colors. It was like the, the best find ever. Like I was literally at Ross and Marshall's probably once a week just trying to find stuff. Nice. And um, I had I had some Pippin threes. I got a big five, which were all black. Um, I had some Garnett threes that were black and blue that I got for 70 bucks. Like I, I remember distinctly like basically chipping in 20 to 30 bucks each time to go over that budget, right. you know? But, but it was always stuff that was either I don't know if you guys remember the final score uh, version of East Bay. Yep, like yep. the discounts, like mm-hmm. the old stuff. Like mm-hmm. It was just everything along those lines. And I think the, the funny thing, I always tease my mom, it's like, if you would have paid 125 bucks and got me the penny twos in the sixth grade, maybe that era, maybe that phase would have been over with. But it was once I got into college where I, uh, I basically realized I could link my debit card to an eBay account. <laughs> I didn't have a debit card before that, actually. So PJ Tucker says the same thing. Like, it wasn't until we were in college, because we're the same high school class. Okay. That we both kind of realized, like, wow, like, I could just go on eBay and buy stuff. Pretty. And so that's what it became for me. I was buying the, the Zoom Flight 95s. Oh, um, that's my personal favorite. Best, yeah. Best basketball shoe of all time. That, that, that is an excellent shoe. Um, Love that shoe. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, that was for me, because Jason Kidd was one of my favorite players, too. Yeah. I just, I loved all the all the point guards that were just real creative on the floor and mm-hmm. had great vision. Like I always, I always played that way too. And I felt like if you get everybody involved, that's the most fun uh, when you're playing ball. So, so for me, it was, it was J kids Zoom flight 95. That was like the shoe that got me into shoes. Yep. Um, and once I got to college, I got a pair finally, cause I didn't get a pair initially. Once I got to college, I went back and was buying up a bunch of old stuff. <laughs> and J kid, uh, another NorCal guy. So that, that that's right up your alley there. Yeah, he was, he, you know, he grew up about an hour and a half from me in the Bay, so so it was great kind of seeing his rise, and then when he was on the Mavs, man, it was, it was a short Mavs run, but that was quite, like, he just came out the gate killing. So oh, yeah. Fun. I mean, that that team, I love that team, man, the three Js, him, Jamal Mashburn, and, and uh, Jim Jackson, like, I was like, yeah. man, that team, I was like, I, I mean, I we, we know all the, all the urban legends about why they weren't good, but... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, look that up, kids, and you'll 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 know what we're talking about. Um, so you go to college. When did you start realizing, all right, man, I can turn my love for basketball and sneakers into something I can do for work? Like I I, I can like figure out how to like be in this business and make money and and, and do stuff. So I was I distinctly remember I was on a family uh, summer trip in Florida, and it was the summer between seventh and eighth grade. And uh, Slam put out the first issue of Kids. Um, and I, I have a pristine copy now that I always keep at my desk. But um, And I actually just wrote a story for them because they got an upcoming issue they're working on. Um, 
that's kind of like the celebratory issue. And so I've, I always joke with everybody at Slam, but I, I wear a rubber band on my left wrist every day since <laughs> nice. to kind of tie back to KG on the cover. And that was the first time I was reading it, and I realized, like, it's a whole magazine about sneakers. Um, maybe I could actually do that. And I think when you're when you're a basketball player, everybody has, you know, you want to be a first-round or a number one pick. And, you know, I thought I was going to go to Michigan on a scholarship. And then you have that moment where you realize, like, this shit's not yeah, going to work Yeah, I ain't out. that good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, luckily for me, that happened at about 14 or 15. Early, um, good. <laughs> I'll tell you the embarrassing version. I was going to stop there. But I got, I got dunked on, and it was the first time in Sacramento B history that the dunk of the year wasn't a varsity dunk. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I knew right then I was like, "This is not going to work." Um, and so, basically, from that from that moment on, it was, you know, the original goal was I want to work at Slam, uh, write about sneakers at Kicks Magazine, and, and that was kind of starting point. And so, I kind of just did all the small steps from there. I was in a bunch of like English classes, accelerated stuff in high school. I was a sports editor at the school paper, and then um, I knew Nike was close to close to Eugene, so I went to the University of Oregon. Um, to do the journalism programming mm-hmm. with the Focus and Magazine to try to figure all that out. So um, that was kind of the starting point. And the fall of my freshman year in 2003 uh, was actually when Soul Collector started. Mm. So while it started with the idea of, of working at Slam, um, Kicks was just once a year every August. Mm-hmm. And Soul Collector was six times a year in print. So that then became kind of the, the goal at that point. Um, and I was able to to write there when I was a junior in college and then kind of put it all together from there. And you you, you went, you know, you made the strategic decision to apply to Oregon and go to Oregon, right? Just because you knew Nike's out there and you're like, all right, like this is, was it always when you were young? I, for most of our, our guests, we always ask, was Nike the shoe? Like, were you like, all right, the, I'm I'm with these guys. And then as I get older, I my collection, I add things. What, or were you always not? It was always Nike from the beginning. No, I was I was actually like super open minded. So I, I always thought the best thing in the '90s was you had you know Grant Hill and mm-hmm. Stackafila, you had Kobe at Adidas and, and AI and mm-hmm. Shaq and, and Sean Kemp. Mm-hmm. You know, were at Reebok. So I was super like open ended on stuff. And one was at that mm-hmm. time really really coming up too. And and uh, and then you had a lot of kind of just like other random brands you know doing exciting stuff too. So um, I was always super open minded. I think that's probably a good foundation to have for what I do now. And that's always been something that has kind of uh, helped in, in my lane too. I think obviously everybody's favorite within that is Nike, but um, you know, the, the alpha project, a lot of the flight, a lot of the zoom mm-hmm. stuff was always my favorite stuff growing up. But, um, and I had a lot of players that, that I looked up to that, that were with Nike, but I, I, I liked and respected all of the stuff out there. And, and it was a fun time to be growing up. I will say I visited so let's see, the summer before my junior year of high school, we visited Eugene, and it was like in June, amazing. And so I'm like, I want to come to Eugene. This is a great place. And my freshman year was the worst winter in 40 years, and I had no idea, <laughs> no idea weather-wise what I was getting into. But, um, you know, had I visited in, in, like, December, maybe I wouldn't have wanted to go there. But, That's um, why they don't have you visit in December. <laughs> So I think I think everybody, you know, you think of Nike as this like mythical place, and it's kind of gray and rainy out here all the time. But um, but it is pretty awesome, and, and just seeing like how the campus has grown since then, and what they've all been able to pull off is pretty cool. Um, what do you think? I know you talk about all the different brands and the different players that are working on different brands. What are you liking today that you know is beyond the Nike and the Jordan? It's it's an exciting time because you're kind of seeing a renaissance of obviously like Puma and New Balance coming back around. Um, there's all the Chinese brands as well that are 
you know, most of their stuff is all in China and, and not really as visible here in the U.S. But from a product design standpoint, like Li Ning's doing some interesting stuff with with the Wade line, and um, I've actually been able to go to China twice mm. and shadow Clay Thompson for his Onto tours, <laughs> uh, which the first time was seven cities in nine days, which was out That's, of control. Yeah, um, yeah. But it just like seeing the scale of everything out there was pretty awesome, and kind of understanding that side of it from a basketball standpoint. Um, I would say I'm excited to see what Adidas and Jerry Lorenzo do mm -hmm. coming up. Um, that'll probably still be, it sounds like, a year away or so. But um, So I think that's that's what I'm excited to see come around. Puma with LaMelo, uh, it sounds like they're going to give him a signature shoe. So, so how that looks, I'm excited to see. I think everybody's just kind of like in this stage of trying to reinvent what it is as a basketball sneaker. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously basketball shoes sales have been down, I think, each of the last five years. Mm -hmm. So seeing which brands kind of come up with a creative approach on, on what that really looks like, I think could be exciting as we get into the next decade here. Yeah, this is a good lane that you that you brought up. Obviously, you cover the sneaker business um, with all the work that you do. I know you're seeing a shift, though, right, in sort of how deals are being signed from athletes and with sneaker brands. Let's talk a little bit about that and, and sort of how athletes are looking at their shoe deals now and what that means, because not everyone's getting a signature shoe, for sure. That's number one. Um, number two, you're looking at different types of partnerships, right? Guys are partnering with, with Crocs and like non-traditional brands, like all sorts of different sort of things. Whack, not wacky, but just different. And is that really more about, you know, these these athletes coming up now are like, I want something to identify with me or is the money cycle changing? And they're looking at that. What, what, what are the different factors that are driving that? Yeah, I was joking with the friend because they were asking how work was going. I was like, man, this was the most boring fall ever because <laughs> no, none of the rookies were getting signed, really. So I had nothing to really report on. There was like six guys getting a deal. Um, and I think a lot of that was more so just brands freezing budgets mm -hmm. off of, you know, coronavirus impacts mm -hmm. and things like that. 2021 class is pretty strong, so it should bounce back, I think. But um, I think the biggest piece is that, you know, a lot of players, let's say from eight or nine on the bench down, you know, I, I don't I don't know if the brands are looking at those guys as being all that valuable anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think they're trying to reassess, like, are we are we really spending our money in an impactful way um, or not? You know, and so I think that's something we'll see where unless you're I always call them like unless you're like a league fits guy <laughs> and you're on the end of the bench like that. Right. Um, you know, I don't I don't think a lot of those kinds of players maybe are going to be getting the deals that they that they used to get. So you're seeing guys get creative. Uh, we had Cole Anthony and CJ McCollum mm -hmm. do, do a Crocs deal. Mm -hmm. um, that's an interesting one because Cole's doing that since he doesn't have a shoe deal yet. And then CJ, there's a lot of kind of creative carve-outs you could do if you have a Chinese deal. Mm -hmm. um, so even though he's with Li Ning and has a signature with Li Ning, he's, he's doing that Crocs deal, which was, I think, everybody got a kick out of him being the first guy uh, to <laughs> announce with Crocs. But, um, you know, I think everybody's trying to look at things totally differently and, and and as the tunnel has taken off and as guys with Instagram presences have taken off, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be a basketball shoe that you're wearing on a, in a basketball game and that's what you endorse. Um, you know, you could have a lifestyle shoe mm -hmm. or, or anything really. Um, and I think a lot of times too, so many of these shoe deals, if you're getting a 25 to 50 grand deal, is it worth, you know, basically signing away all your exclusivity for all kinds of other products that, that a shoe deal also includes? like backpacks and just clothing and just all the other things so um, I think guys are kind of looking at all that and reassessing and I think brands are reassessing too like who's really impactful and, and who should we be paying yeah 
Um, so I know Gerard mentions Crocs. I think that's just an interesting <laughs> turn. I, I need to know, first of all, do you have any Crocs? And what are your thoughts on them? I've never owned a pair of Crocs. Um, my, my boy Trey was staying with me for four months. Yeah, Trey is a... Uh, Trey loves his Crocs. He loves his Crocs. like handfuls of Crocs <laughs> that he's wearing to like dinner and stuff. I'm just like, dude, what are you doing? But, um, oh, he's wearing them in the streets. Okay. And he's oh, got yeah. all the little trinkets to like, you know, <laughs> sauce them up like how CJ did and... I don't know. It's not for me. Um, <laughs> I will say, I mean, they are comfortable, of course, if you're just going to kick them around. But, but it's it's such a like hideous shoe that it obviously became like a an irony around that, just like the Air Monarch or something. But it's, it's not for me. No offense to Crocs. No, I, I I totally agree with you. But I'm curious, just seeing some of the new Yeezys that are coming out. I'm like, are these inspired by like, is this the next generation, like the Croc generation, even in some of the materials? There's a Nike shoe. I think it's called the Gato. Mm. And they're basically a croc, but like a cool croc. And I had those in the early 2010s and was wearing those around. People were clowning me too, but <laughs> but uh, I thought, I mean, that was like a, a good execution of an injection foam shoe. And and I thought there was at that time a lot of a lot of kind of runway on that. And now you're seeing, like you're saying, Yeezy do it. Um, and Merrill has actually a fresh one too that people have been spotting and wearing. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I don't know if that whole genre is for me still, so we'll see. <laughs> I love it. Right you, know, you, you talked about um, obviously China as a as a market, um, and of course, because we know how basketball crazy they are over there. Is that mirroring sort of the NBA in the sense that like the United States market is pretty well saturated, right? In terms of NBA viewership, and like I don't anticipate it increasing in any large number more than what it is. You'll see stuff on the fringes and margins. You think that's the same with the shoe market, right? It's kind of like uh, outside of like your number one pick in every class. It's like, we're not really, you're not going to be out of here getting signature guy and like, you know, selling and moving units. And I ask because obviously Zion's kind of like this generational star, right? And Jordan Brand's going to actually give him a signature shoe. But we know that there have been challenges with Jordan Brand's signature shoes, right? Outside of the actual the, the, the Jordan line, right? Russ, CP3, I mean, they're kind of like, eh. But they don't they don't have that cachet. Like, do you think that like it's like, look, man, guys can go to China, do smaller deals and allow themselves to do more more things, or are you still gonna have that one generational guy always, I'm doing the big deal and then everything else will kind of follow? Yeah, I mean I, I still think the model of having having that kind of landmark star is still gonna be the case. I mean, you know, you have New Balance signing Kawhi and Jamal Murray, hoping he becomes that. Um, Jalen Suggs, who's playing mm -hmm. in the national championship mm -hmm. game. Um you know, by the time this pod comes out, he'll, he'll technically be a pro. Mm -hmm. And he's going to probably get a crazy deal as well. So I still think brands are still identifying those those kind of singular guys. But um, it's, it's, I mean, obviously, like you mentioned with Jordan brand, it's like they need a couple more variables to go right for a signature shoe to work. Uh, I think the Zion thing that we're going to see is that they're going to really target like a younger kid that looks at him as a superhero almost. Mm -hmm. Um, versus just like, you know, the older crowd or mm -hmm. people that are traditionally into Jordans. I think I think they might take a different approach with it and see how that works. But, um, you know, you got Luca Tatum around the mm -hmm. corner, obviously huge Jordan guys as mm -hmm. well. So I'll be curious to see, like, if, if they give another guy a sneaker and, mm -hmm. and how that goes. And um, it's a it's a challenge I think everybody at Jordan Brand's aware of in terms of mm -hmm. even with, like, the Fly Wade line yep. and the Mellow line. Yeah. You know, the first two Mellows were strong, first, first couple, I should say, and then line yeah. kind of shifted from there, you know? Yeah. So um, I, th I think everybody's aware of that, but, you know, just like we've seen them kind of revive uh, the game shoe with the Jordan 34, I thought it was a nice bounce back effort. Mm -hmm. 
um, they're going to try to have a bounce back effort on the signature stuff too. So we'll see. Yeah, and it's interesting, right? Because you you mentioned the stars that are part of that part of the Jordan Brand family, right? Luca is a generational guy, right? I mean, Tatum plays in a big market in Boston, but it's like, I mean, a signature shoe may not actually work for them, right? Just because they're not going to have that kind of cachet that's like, yeah, let me go out and get those Tatums. And it's... it's. I don't know. I think, in, <laughs> I think in two years, those guys will just continually increase their profile and, and have more moments. And, and uh, I, think the, I think both those guys, once they hit their mid-20s, they'll be the faces of the league, you know? And we're seeing... It's weird to say because I'm the LeBron's age, but we're seeing LeBron and, you know, KD and that mm-hmm. current kind of headliners in terms of signatures. Mm-hmm. You know, they're basically on the on the last chapter of their signature run, and mm-hmm. we'll see who's next. One of the things that's interesting, too, is I love the way athletes use their sneakers for bigger causes. Um, and I know that Joe Ingles isn't a signature shoe guy, but he, you know, he had something he did with World Autism Day because he's a son who's autistic. Steph Curry partnered with the Bruce Lee Foundation uh, to auction off a pair of what is he on the Curry? What number is he on now? Four, Curry. five, eight, and Close. and so I'm like four, five. I'm like, where is he at on those now? Um, and you know, he he auctioned those off right for and, and uses his money to stop sort of all the violence we're seeing against Asian Americans uh, happening, particularly here in this country. Like, what are you seeing around athletes, and like, what are those conversations like that they have with the brands when they want to do things like that? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I I usually talk about this angle of it just probably to justify that what I do is worthwhile because obviously writing about sneakers sounds ridiculous to most people. But, <laughs> but um, I like to say that, you know, sneakers are a portal to a lot of these guys' personality, you know, whether that's people in their life or where they're from or, or different themes that they, you know, want to celebrate. And so a lot of guys, I would say since, I mean, to me, the McFly Hyperdunk, the mm-hmm. South Beach LeBron 8, Galaxy Foams, like that whole era really kind of started the storytelling chapter of where we're at. And I think a lot of guys are, are super invested into making sure they have strong stories to share. So, um, you know, I think we kind of went from an era where 90s, 2000s, like the first handful of shoes for everybody's line was just their team colors and the home home version, away version. And, and we've advanced past that by a lot. So, um, you know, there was, there was a great uh, colorway that Damian Lillard worked mm-hmm. on to launch his Dame 7, and that was... Uh, basically taking the royalties of that shoe and, and launching what's called the Vision, Visionary Academy, uh, like an internship program for high school students. And, and you mentioned Steph and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, some other ones that have come out as well. So I think every brand's kind of looking at that as um, how can we not make this such a transactional launch and see, you know, what, what can be some storytelling behind it. And um, it's, it's exciting because I think, you know, whether it's, Jordan brand and other other brands as well, like how much they're uh, pledging to the black community or, mm-hmm. or what we've seen with Steph um, in terms of the Asian community support. Like all of these things are, are kind of outside of basketball in theory, but not really when you look at who's the demographic of who's always been influencing the culture and, and impacting things as well. So um, it's been a great trend to see. And I think everybody now is looking for how they could how they can make an impact. I love that. And I know you posted before, too, even just about the Adidas uh, Pencils program. And we had Jazz um, on recently as well to talk more about that. Um, I think just looking ahead at the next generation of not just talent, but sneakers, what are you what are you looking to see? What do you think is the white space that brands should be targeting? And where are we going from here? Man, that's a tough one. Um, (laughs) If I knew, I'd have a Billion dollar consultant. <laughs> <laughs> no. What do you What do you want to see? We have well, I think, 
I think the pencil program in particular, and that's probably the most exciting thing, um, not just seeing how it's, how it's you know, still looking ahead, but already what we're seeing in terms of what they've accomplished in 10 years. Um, you know, I first met Dwayne Edwards in 2006. Um, I was like a, basically a gopher at Soul Collector. So they had me drive two hours to hold like this, like reflector thing in the background of a photo shoot with Dwayne. <laughs> and I uh, got some Burger King after and then drove back. But, but all the guys at Soul Collector then actually went a long ways because they were like, all right, he's willing to like do whatever to, to get in, you know? Um, and I remember inter- talking to Dwayne about the 21 and, um, you know, he, he kind of said, like, I'm going to retire in five years, open a sneaker design school and change the way that, that basically all these design um, teams look at companies, you know, in terms of demographics. And literally, like, and I'm just like, oh, that sounds amazing. OK. And I think it, I got to look at the timeline because it was almost to the exact like month mark that he did that. Um, he, he left his Jordan design director job at, at Jordan brand and launched pencil. And I want to say they've placed over, you know, 300 students from all around the world at all these different brands. So, um, that's been amazing and it's been an impact for over 10 years. And I think now he's getting that much more brand involvement too, um, to make sure that they really have a pipeline of, of not only giving people job access once mm-hmm. they're actually talented and, and, and ready to get hired, but also like inspiring 10 year olds to realize that that could be something they could even do and, and starting at a younger age to really get their skills sharpened. So um, to me, that's that's one of the craziest things to see is just the impact that's had and and how kind of matter of factly Dwayne said he was going to do it. <laughs> and he did. He <laughs> did. <laughs> you know, it's it like one of my favorite stories I've, I've, I've you know seen in this industry take place and unfold. So um, I think that piece is going to be huge. And then the thing that is going to be interesting just from a from a basketball standpoint is what happens with the NCAA, what happens with this overtime elite league they're launching mm-hmm. and, and how all the levels of hoops kind of become intertwined, whether that's USA basketball taking over, how that looks. And I, I know you mentioned earlier how nobody really sits and watches a game the way that they used to and, and things like that. And I think I think all of those levels of basketball kind of kind of shifting, there could be a new way that you actually watch the game too um, that comes in there. So I think that's where the next decade is going to be pretty interesting to see and and uh, what the future of, 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 the, of Hoops really looks like. Well, you just hit on the future. And I think a great way to sort of end this segment is talk about the now. What do you hope the sneaker game on the boardroom is going to be? We obviously know they're going to have amazing guests, of course, starting with some seven-foot sniper. But <laughs> but who? But what, what is the, what's the what's the goal with the sneaker game? What do you want that that platform to be? Yeah, I think I've always looked at it as you know celebrating great design, great stories, and I think more so from a sports business standpoint, like talking to all the people that have you know, the biggest sneaker deals um, and, and just like how they build their brand, how they view their brand. I think that's really what, what we centered on with Kevin uh, in, that, in that first conversation. It's, you know, how do you build a roadmap of a signature business? How do you, you know, see your marketing and your branding really living um, as, your, as your career unfolds? And so we're gonna have guys like KD who's, you know, he's only one of the three players in league history that's hitting number 14 for a sneaker line, um, along with LeBron and, and uh, and of course MJ um, while while playing, um, and so that's you know something that made us both feel pretty old. But then we're also going to have <laughs> kind of the next generation, the up and coming um, you know players and stars like Sabrina, you know some mm-hmm. other some other people like that as well. So um, trying to hit it from both ends and and really kind of talk through what the sneaker business looks like and 
and not so much the most hype and most uh, kind of expensive sneakers and, and that whole angle of it, but more so just the, the richest stories, and I'm excited to see it kick off. No, that's great. We're going to be looking forward to that. No, that should be really good. Well, folks, stay tuned because you know what's coming next. America's favorite segment, Shoe and Tell, presented by Another Lane. Stay tuned. What's good, everybody? We're back. And you know what time it is. America's favorite segment, Shoe and Tell, presented by Another Lane, the premier digital marketplace for dope kicks. You know, Adina and Chad are two of our favorite people, obviously, because we talk about them every week and all the time. And... Listen, I also want you guys to think about this. These two started a business in the middle of a pandemic. Like, I mean, that's that's baller, man. And not only are they rock stars and they are getting funding from various sources and their their platform is growing by leaps and bounds. These are people who are genuinely into and care about the sneaker industry and are in it for the right reasons. Right. Like you want to you want to find that exclusive rare pair. You need some history. I told you, Chad, history lesson. Just sit down. Give yourself some time, though, because, I mean, you're going to need like an hour, hour and a half, like, because he's really going to give it to you, which is, listen, if you need a loan, you need to know. Um, if you want to sell your shoes, if you want to not deal with seller fees, oh, anotherlane.com is a place you need to go. Of course, if you want to find dope content like Shoe and Tell, you can also go to anotherlane.com. There's so many exciting things happen there. I really want you guys to check them out, anotherlane.com. Now, of course, the moment you all are waiting for, Nick DePaulo is going to show off some kicks. Let us know, Nick. Show us what you got. All right, so let's let's hop back into the the shoe that got me into shoes, the Zoom Flight ninety five. <laughs> uh, Gabby, you love it. That's your jam. Not flushing. This is my, <laughs> look at the lights adjusting. This is a perfect <laughs> shoe. Like this is just an incredible shoe. I've always loved shoes with a black upper with a white midsole, white outsole. Uh, my brother. For Christmas one year, got me a painting of the shoe. Which was pretty awesome, and that sits in my office as well. And um, you know, I was I was a huge Jason Kidd fan growing up. This was his shoe that he wore, of course, and was the headliner for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you had like Terrell Brandon, mm-hmm. Tim Hardaway, a bunch of guys that also wore it. But um, I always thought it was just like the fastest, futuristic-looking shoe. <laughs> they, I think it's been 26 years, which makes me feel pretty old, but they still look futuristic <laughs> now. Uh, the materials were incredible, and, and Eric Avar designed them. And this was the first shoe I noticed where. Um, you know, I realized there was a lot more going into the product design element than than just some of the other basketball shoes at that time coming into the early 90s. So um, I didn't have a pair growing up. I had a $40 budget, and the shoe I did have was the Thrill Flight. Oh, yeah. Which was the takedown. Yes. Um, these just showed up this morning. I finally got another pair. I've been looking for a pair for, like, 20 years. Nice. Um, this was the color that Reggie Miller wore. Gary Payton had an all-white with green accents one. And then Mitch Richmond, who was my other favorite player growing up in Sacramento, Mm -hmm. he wore the black with the white contrast stitch and the gold accents. And uh, that was the color I had. I had that black pair. Um, So I had them. I got them from JCPenney for 58 bucks, chipped in $18 since I had a $40 budget at the time. And uh, I've been trying to find a black pair ever since. I don't know if I will, but it's one of those shoes you just hunt forever for. Yeah, man. But... But this, to me, uh, it's funny because side by side, like the Thrill Flight is is pretty weak compared to the Zoom Flight. But <laughs> bubble detail, though. Bubble, yeah, Because yeah. these have the molded bubbles, you know, on the side yep. and and, uh, and the shank, and then the Thrill Flight doesn't. But um, I always, it's funny. I tried to like carve a third uh, bubble <laughs> on my on my pair to try to make them look like the Zoom Flight, <laughs> uh, 
back in the day, but I, I wore, it was a, a size nine and a half in the black hair. I wore those things everywhere. The whole outsole was like, literally the foam was like exposed. Like I just, I wore them to death and that was my first ever pair of Nikes. Um, so I love it. It's amazing to get a pair of, of thrill flights back. Nick, r- really quick. One of the, the co- cool things you've mentioned, and I know that kids who, you know, like me, you, like you on a budget, your parents are like, yo, uh-uh, you got 40 bucks, you got 50 bucks, that's it. Marshalls, JC Penney's, all those sort of like, um, for lack of a better term, like discounted department stores, those are where you find them because they always get the stuff that's handed down. And most people who go to those stores ain't looking for hot Nike shoes. You start digging in the piles, you're like, ooh, look what I found. <laughs> yeah, growing up, I mean, East Bay called it discontinued style. And that was in like the bold italics, but like I didn't I didn't mind if right. it was old because it was, you know, something on sale at that point. And so I never had like stuff currently as it had mm-hmm. just released, but if it was a year or two old and at Ross Marshall's, like I was finding some crazy stuff still. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, sometimes you had, I think it was called like irregular. It would have like the irregular sticker. If yeah. like some stitching was messed up, basically <laughs> like a B grade. Um, but I was still finding like some, some awesome stuff back in the day. Um, I, I found some answer ones for 50 bucks. See, gems. Shaking the struts for 1999. Um, you know, I was, I was finding all kinds of heat that to me, it was, was great and exciting because I was still able to get, uh, you know, a, a sneaker that I would feel excited and proud to wear, um, you know, even if it wasn't $150. So <laughs> it, was a, it was a fun time to grow up, for sure. I love that. Everybody gives a nod to the East Bay catalog, too. That uh, was like everyone. one time. Everyone. everyone. I, I literally read East Bay every morning in my cereal. <laughs> it's like, so that's it's like that was your I, newspaper. I, yeah. yeah, and I would read, like, I have, there was a, there was a stretch, I, I can't claim this anymore, but... I used to memorize like the weights because they would list the weights. <laughs> I would know the tech that every shoe had. I was reading about the volleyball section, like everything. I was reading it front to back. Um, and I, I told somebody at East Bay uh, that whole story. Like we, when I was at Soul Collector, we got to do uh, the 20, we got to like write for the 25th anniversary issue of theirs, which was like a cool moment for me. Um, and I always joke, I'm like East Bay and then Kicks Magazine. That's how I, that's how I learned about sneakers really. I love um, it. Just reading up all the, all the details. Love it. <laughs> Uh, my next pair is uh, the LeBron 2 Oregon. Um, I went to Oregon, mm-hmm. and I was in school when these were given to the team. And um, I've always heard there's around 40 pairs of, of the green and then of the white green as well. Um, so it's a pretty rare one, but uh, it's also a shoe I just I just always wanted to get. And uh, this one, let's see, I did a – we had a class called Info Hell. Mm-hmm. In the, in the J school. And so uh, I, it was a hundred page paper that you spend the whole term on. <laughs> and my topic was if college athletes should get paid or not, which is obviously funny because it's been 15 years ago. <laughs> um, and the season had just ended. I turned in my projects and I went and paid a kid 500 bucks on the team for his pair. Um, he, he, I, I'm not incriminating anybody because he was done at the school. So he didn't have any eligibility left. Ooh. The other kids couldn't sell their pairs, but I was... I was able to buy one pair for 500 bucks, and then um, I found a home and a wave set on eBay like two years later that I spent my entire month's uh, salary on. Eight, <laughs> eight, like, every morning for that month. Um, <laughs> I love but, it. Uh, I've always loved the LeBron too. I think it's one of the one of the greatest designs, uh, both just as a design, but also like it's an amazing hoop shoe. And so once Oregon had the LeBron two PEs, um, this was like one of the first PEs I, I got my hands on. I was super excited to get so. Uh, just a great sneaker I still still like. And it was funny because um, when P.J. Tucker was playing the Blazers last year, he wore the Oregon LeBron 2s, and that was actually my pair. Um, so that was kind of a cool 
you know, I, I kind of lent him. He actually still has them. I got to get him back. But <laughs> <laughs> I lent him for that game, and he wore them up here in Oregon, so that was pretty fun. He's like, I got to get him back. <laughs> Just don't make him put it, on, put it on eBay as a buy now option for you. <laughs> no chance. I can't. I don't want to buy those twice. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, my other favorite shoe is uh, I, was, I was 13 years old when the KB8s came out. Mm. Kobe's first Adidas signature shoe. Mm-hmm. Literally all I asked for for my birthday that year was a pair of KB8s. That's all I wanted. And instead I got a TV, um, like a little miniature, like 13 inch TV, which okay. lasted me all through high school. I also had it in my dorm room my <laughs> freshman year. So it was obviously a practical gift, but but I was pissed. Like I've never <laughs> was more mad opening up a gift than that. Um, like my mom was like yelling at me later. Cause you know, I was telling my grandpa that's all I wanted. And so um, I ended up finding nice. an original pair of the all-star MSG colorway. Uh, that he wore uh, against Michael mm-hmm. you know, in that all-star game and yep. we had that great kind of battle. Um, I know the black-white is, of course, you know what everybody thinks of for the KB8s probably, but uh, this one to me was great just with the Purple. with the eight stitching. And mm-hmm. then uh, it is a size 14. I'm a 13, 14, and um, I would always buy Kobe's in a 14 like mm-hmm. later on because that was his size. Um, and so this was still one of my favorites. I've probably worn these only like five, six times, but um, these and then... I also got a pair oh, of the top 10 2010s, uh, which was the shoe he wore his rookie year. Yep. Uh, these have never been retro. These are from 96 and still look pretty damn good. Um, and I don't know if, it, we'll see what happens with Adidas. I don't know if they're going to be able to retro, you know, some of the Kobe mm-hmm. stuff or not now going forward. So mm-hmm. yep. um, if not, this is, this is a cool one to have that uh, I don't think most people maybe remember this shoe necessarily and kids definitely today don't even realize that he was with adidas at yeah point. yeah i would have loaned this shoe um but to me this was always an awesome design and, and that whole feet you wear era uh, was just like wavy and fun and crazy and, and for adidas a sense um kind of a way that they stuck out you know compared to nike and other brands it was pretty unique to them so um this was a, a cool shoe i've always thought was pretty sleek and and it's it's fun looking back at like his his rookie season some of the game shots of him wearing these and, and kind of the style he played with at that time. Mm-hmm. It also oh, re- reminiscent of sort of the 17 button, super extra, extra, extra large baggy suits that were worn at that time, right? I think they kind of like <laughs> run, in, run in tandem. <laughs> the ones that are in Space Jam too, right? Oh boy, ones? here we go. <laughs> I mean, the style of that time was just incredible. <laughs> it was wild. Um, it was we wild. We did a 2003 party in January for my friend Trey's birthday and it was like people had on velours. It was incredible. <laughs> it was a wild time, man. <laughs> yeah, it was great. I'm, I'm kind of glad that we're a little bit in a different era now, right? I think it's like, okay, let's let's kind of wear clothes a little bit more form-fitting and, you know, save some of that fabric. I think that might be why basketball shoes, you know, sales-wise are declining too. It's just like a bulky basketball shoe doesn't necessarily fit with all this, like, kind of more tailored era. But, yeah. um, but you know, it's it's been fun to look back at it. And I, I remember, like, distinct outfits that are hilarious and terrible from back then, but, you know, <laughs> that, was, that was the that fun. Was the time. There, there was a Throw bad one. a bucket hat and call it a day. L- literally, a bucket hat and, like, a, you know, a 10X shirt, a and it's like, oh, it's like, what? Do you, I, I want to say they were called the Jordan Trunner Condos. I don't know if you remember those. No. There was a, they had, like, these two buckle straps, <laughs> and there was a cool gray colorway that I had with literally, like, a 3X full, like, three... <laughs> Like had the third one, and then I had because that was the dark gray was the fleece outfit. Oh, and I had a light gray Jordan headband to kind of connect it all together. 
And that was my game day fit for for uh, for the bus for high school games. I love it. The game day if fit. There was a picture of that. If there's a picture of that, please send it to us. Yes. We might have to do it as like a throwback. Yep. For Fortunately, there's not. Um, <laughs> I still had those shoes, actually. I just just recently tossed them because they were beat. But uh, I have tons of sneakers still from, from like high school, middle school days. But uh, we were very fortunate to live in a time where the style was terrible, but also iPhones weren't out yet. Yes. Because so, you imagine? No social media oh, yet. man. Because you get roasted and flamed. It's like, oh, let's just pull this up again. Get memed, everything. <laughs> I mean, there's photos of like people with what were they called? The stutter shades? Yeah, yeah. You know, that I think was like the first era of like <laughs> embarrassing outfits caught on camera type situations. <laughs> and uh, we were lucky to kind of miss the whole <laughs> Well, as we I said, trying, like, I, I was literally thinking of like the and one shirt that like just didn't have the right sleeve but mm -hmm. had the left sleeve. Mm -hmm. Just the dumb stuff that went <laughs> You see, Gabby, it's one of the advantages of being in this age range that we're at. No camera phones, all that fun stuff back in middle school, high school, because yikes. <laughs> but yikes is the best way, though. I'm not going to lie. Like, my parents sold the house we grew up in, and I was like, let me put on literally everything I was never allowed to wear. And I wasn't allowed to put posters on the wall. So I had, like, an Eminem 8-mile poster on, like, let me tell you, so... I turned out very different than I think my Jewish parents would have liked. Like, I had pink wallpaper with, like, carousel horses. And I was like, why would we redo this room when you can buy me things like every color of Adidas pants instead? So that was, like, the trade-off growing up. Going back a couple years ago, I was like, I got to put on, like, my old-school Rangers jersey, bucket hat, Limp Bizkit, an eight-mile poster on the wall. And I was like, let me hold up all my other jerseys now. From we don't really know. But the real question is, did you, have, did you have puka shells? I can be proud to say I never had never had Abercrombie. I never had puka shells. Like there was a there was a distinct like Oh yeah, Abercrombie, uh, that was a vibe, uh, man. Yeah. 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 Lost the tips on the hair, like luckily did luckily didn't go down that route. <laughs> what a Still time to be alive. What what a time. Well, <laughs> Nick, this was fun, man. Where can the people find you if they want to keep track of you on social and all your work? Yeah, so Instagram and Twitter is just at Nick DePaula. Um, you know, I've been at, at ESPN now for four years, and a lot of our sneaker coverage all shifted uh, this last year to the undefeated.com. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can check me out there. Uh, Aaron Dodson as well, who's mm -hmm. my personal favorite person to, to <laughs> read about sneakers. He's, he's way uh, more in-depth and, and probably a better writer than me, so I always, I always try to give him a shout, too, because he's, he's great. And, Aaron's and good. Too. Um, and so I think, you know, that's that's the main places. And then, of course, uh, Boardroom for the sneaker game. That'll be dropping uh, sometime in mid-April here, coming soon. And uh, you'll be able to find that across all Boardroom platforms as well as YouTube. Awesome, man. We appreciate it. And, folks, you, of course, know where to find us. We are part of the Count the Things family. Find us on the Bomb Cop podcast feed. So you're going to find the original, the OG show. You're going to have Woke Bros. You're going to have Crazy Sexy Cool. And, of course, us. And you're going to have Rap Games. You're going to have Grown Up the Same with Trey. It's just all dope shows on the Bomb podcast feed. And, of course, you know where to find us at Kicks and Shit Show on social media on all available platforms. And we'll see you next time. Peace.